All right, we now begin the third and final chapter of Masechus Chagiga, and this is the last parak of Seder Moed. Here we go. The first three Mishnayas are going to be talking about 11 different ways in which there are strictures that apply to Kajim that don't apply to Truma. This is coming on the back of the previous three Mishnayas where we talked about the different levels, how Kajim had a certain strictures higher one step up from Truma. So here we're going to list seven ways. Um, almost all of them are rabbinic. They're called ma'alos, extra levels of uh, uh, severity that we treat kachim to ensure that we um, treat it with proper respect and mindfulness regarding keeping things tahor. Um, almost all of them are rabbinic in nature. A couple are dorai, so we'll see that in a moment. There's Hashem. So the Mishnah begins the first of the eleven. Um, by saying Chomer Bakodesh Mibetruma, there are the following ways in which Kodesh Kajim, sacrificial meat and other things that are eaten, like Menachos meal offering, and so on, are treated more strictly, stringently in terms of the Tahar and kept more ensured to be kept more Tahor than Truma. And those are first of all the first of eleven Shemat Bilin Kalim Betoch Kalim the Truma of Alola Kodesh. If you have Utensils, they need to be going, to be put in a mikvah, to become tahor. We're not talking about tefillah for the sake of sort of inaugurating the vessels that were acquired from non-Jews, like we do tefillah's kiyam today. We're talking about, you have a spoon, and the spoon became tamay because it's exposed to whatever it was exposed to, and now it needs to go to a mikvah to become tahor, to be used once again with trumor kachim. So, let's say the spoon touched a dead rat, so the spoon, the dead rat is an avatum, and the spoon is a rishon, it's tamay, and you certainly cannot use that spoon um, to eat your truma or kachim food without putting it into a mikvah first. And by the way, um, even after the mikvah, in such a scenario, it comes out as still a tevul yom. It's still going to be tame, have a residual tame status as a shein latuma, second step removed from the source, um, until hair of shemesh, nightfall, tesukuchavim, stars coming out. In any case, the point is, if you have, let's say, also a cup that needs to go to the mikvah because it also became tummy. Can you put the spoon inside the cup and put them both in the mikvah together? So the mission is saying, when it comes to truma, yes, you may. When it comes to kachim, no, you may not. And the reason why not is because there's like a, again, a far out concern that maybe the spoon would weigh down on the cup such that water cannot get in between the spoon and the cup, the point of contact, because the spoon is pushing down there. And if water can't get in, so then that's going to be called the chatzitza, which intercedes between the water and the utensil, the kli, um, which would mean the kli was not uh, effectively immersed in the mikvah and doesn't become purified. So the point of the mission, therefore, reading inside is, chomer b'kodesh mibetruma. The following is the first of the strictures that apply to kadshem, but not truma. Shemat bilin kalim betoch kalim. You're allowed to immerse into a mikvah a utensil within a utensil, a spoon, let's say, inside the cup. Um, but that's la truma if you're purifying it for the use of consuming truma foods of a lola kodesh. If you're planning on using the spoon or this cup for kudshim, that's not acceptable. You have to put them one outside the other to avoid that concern. Um, the Bartender brings down based on the Gemara uh, an interesting um, additional point, which is um, if the, oh, let's say instead of, a, uh, let's say using a jug, a water jug with a very small opening. So there is a point at which the opening is so small, the hole is so small that the water inside the jug is considered to not be connected to the water of the mikvah um, anymore to some degree. Um, and the point of the mission is that with is called shall node. 
the shif- the I, I can't translate this exactly. A note is like a, a flask, or, or like a from a bladder of an animal, really. Um, and shvoferis like a straw. So the drinking the, that with. So the point is, um, even if it's very small, that thin, or the gauge of the hole is even smaller. It's not a cup, but like a whatever it is, a drinking flask. Um, if the drinking flask were also tame and you put the spoon inside of it before you cinched it closed, um, it'll still be effective in being matahir, both the drinking flask as well as the spoon within it for the sake of eating uh, truma, but not for kachim. As a technical aside, if the flask hadn't been tame when it was immersed, and it's got that small little hole that's not even the width of shvoferis on node, so then that would not be effective for technical reasons, um, even for truma, because disconnected from the mikvah. All right, the second of 11, and really our mission will just have five of them in total. This is talking about a case where you have a utensil, let's say a, a goblet, a drinking goblet, which the, you know, it's for drinking wine, but it's on a stem, and the underside, if you turn the goblet upside down, you know, the stem is hollow on the inside, so you could, in theory, drink, you know, you could pour wine into the upside down goblet, it wouldn't go into the it would go into the stem, but not into the main receptacle, and be held there, and you could drink it, so to speak, upside down. So in such a scenario, if you recall, um, there are a couple, like, very important rabbinic enactments that show up all over Hilchus Tum and Tahara, um, which are, number one, that a liquid that becomes tame um, automatically is a Rishon Latuma, that's just a tinder button, more than that, not, na- not for now. And second of all, um, such a Rishon, or first-degree removed you know, rabbinically um, tame liquid is able to convey tuma to a kli, a utensil. Now, normally the rule is that kalim are not susceptible to tuma, um, other than from an av hatuma. Uh, but, but rabbinically, um, an, a liquid can convey tuma even though it's just a rishon. So, our mishnah is going to be built on a special leniency which applies to that, which is if you have a utensil, let's say that goblet, which has um, two different receptacles, the right way up receptacle, the primary receptacle, and the upside down stem, which is like the secondary receptacle, if you will. So if the liquid only touches the achorayim, the outside, the secondary receptacle, not the primary area, which is the container, the receptacle for drinking the primary way, so then while the liquid does convey too much to the utensil, only the achorayim, the outside, the subordinate receptacle, um, becomes tummy, but the primary receptacle, the inner one, doesn't. Just rabbinic in nature. And we're going to say that applies only to the rules of truma, but when it comes to kadshim, anywhere on the utensil would convey tuma even to the primary receptacle such that you have to go put it back um, into a mikvah before using with kadshim. So this is only where the secondary receptacle is a receptacle, uh, meaning um, the cup has an upside down, which could be used also. If the cup, let's say, had a solid base, but there's, turn upside down, there's no place for the wine to go. So then it's all one, and we wouldn't have the leniency of this Mishnah. And second of all, um, even when it comes to truma, although we're saying you can sort of sequester the portion of the utensil that becomes tame, that's only if the tuma is like the wet liquid that's a reshown is touching um, the subordinate part, not the primary part. If the tame liquid gets into the main receptacles, then the whole utensil, both the inside and the outside and the underside, everything becomes equally tummy in the mikvah, even for truma. Okay, so our mission actually is going to have a utensil, like a cup, that has three, potentially three components, all of which are independently useful, potentially, for holding some liquid. So we have the toch, which is the 
primary receptacle, the inside of the cup. The achorayim, the outside or underside. This is the, let's call it, if you turn it upside down, like in my example. And you also have the base hatsvita. Base hatsvita, the etymology is, uh, there's a couple shitas, but whatever it means, it means the, a handle. Okay? So if you have a handle, and that handle actually has, it's like hollow, and you could theoretically pour like, you know, wine inside the handle and drink it out like a straw or something, but not from the main receptacle, then it would also have a life of its own, meaning that according to, if tame liquid, rabbinically tame liquids, touched the base hatsvita, the handle, just like if it touched the acharaim, the underside, uh, it would convey tuma just to that portion, but not to the primary vessel. And if the primary vessel contained truma, um, the truma would remain tahor. In contrast, when it comes to kachim, if the tamay liquid touched any part of the cup, even a subordinate part, that could be sequestered because it's the base of tzvita that's usable, or the achrayim, it doesn't matter. The inside of the cup is tamay also. It needs to go back to the mikvah and cannot be used for kachim. And that's what the Mishnah says here in much fewer words. It says, it's not even a verb in a sentence, I have to point out. It's not even a sentence. It just says, Achorayim v'tochu beisatzvita. There are these three anatomical parts of a utensil, potentially. Achorayim, um, the outside. The toch, the inside, the primary place. And beisatzvita, the handle. And assuming those things can be used on their own, because they have a receptacle, but truma, they actually are um, relevant as separate, distinct components. That uh, in terms of, in terms of truma, if tummy liquid touches one of the two lesser, the subordinate components, the acharaim or the base of tzvita, that will not make the toch tame of a kodesh. There's no such uh, differentiation between these three components when it comes to kachim. If tummy liquid or minikat liquid would touch any of the three parts, the whole thing is tame. and needs to go back to the mikvah. You can't use it for kachim. Okay, that's the second. Here comes the third. So the third is uh, the question of. Um, may one hold something, I'm going to oversimplify for a second, something tame in his right hand, um, and then hold a utensil holding something that's like kachim or truma in his left hand. So the case of Ramesha specifically, the thing in the right hand we're talking about is something which is midras. Midras, you recall, we've had it a bunch of times recently, is something designed to support the weight of a zav zav yoledis, or really any person, um, and the zav zav yoledis do put their weight on it. It becomes tame as an av hatuma, a primary source of tuma. And more than that, if a person carries something which is tumas medras, let's say the shoe of a zav. So if a person carries the shoe of a zav, he becomes, he becomes tame, um, it's an av, and he's a rishon, and that's true even if he doesn't have direct contact with that shoe. Even if the shoe is just something he's holding its weight, but it's in, say, a backpack, but lifting up the backpack, he becomes tame. So, could a person carry a, a shoe of a zav in his right hand, and a utensil holding truma in his left hand? So the answer is, uh, yes. The answer is yes. And why is that the case? Because, what, what could happen? If this, unless the shoe Let's talk about a, a klicheres, to keep it simple, because that's for the admissions case. Klicheres, an earthenware vessel. So earthenware vessels, that means that they have no susceptibility to tuma from their outside. To convey tuma to a utensil made of earthenware, klicheres, the tuma needs to go into the airspace, the toch, the inside of that utensil. So let's start with that. If on my right hand I'm holding the shoe from a zav, and on my left hand I'm holding a klicheres that's holding some truma. So that means... The shoe is an avatuma. Me holding it is a rishon. But as a rishon, I cannot convey tuma to a utensil. So, first of all, the klicheres is impervious tuma from the outside. To me holding the klicheres means that it stays tahor. But even if I stick my hands inside the earthenware container, so what? Since I'm just a rishon, it would remain tahor. Even though it receives tuma through its toch, only an avatuma can convey tuma to it. 
Therefore, everything's going to be A-OK. Um, if it were not an earthenware vessel, so then not so simple, because although it's certainly true that the shoe, my right hand, is the Av, and I'm just a Rishon, and therefore as a Rishon, I wouldn't convey Tuma to the metal cup that I'm holding my left hand, that's hold the true one, that's true. But, of course, if they knock together, if the shoe bangs into the metal cup, so the shoe being an Av would make the metal cup into a Rishon, which would make its contents, the true or Kachim, um, tummy. So that is too close to comfort if you're talking about metal because they can easily bang together. But how likely is it already that, that if I'm holding a shoe, my right hand, that the shoe will end up inside the airspace of the earthenware container to render its contents tummy? The answer is extremely unlikely. And therefore, when you're dealing with truma, it's permitted. You're allowed to hold in your right hand even medris, the shoe of a zav or similar, um, and your left hand hold the earthenware container that holds the truma because my hand doesn't convey tuma, even if they even if the shoe would touch the outside of the earthenware container, it doesn't convey tuma. Everything's okay as long as they don't let the shoe go into the airspace in the inside of the cup, which again highly unlikely. When it comes to kachim, not the case with kachim. Even with an earthenware container, we don't allow you to hold that in your left hand and the shoe of the zav, whatever the midrash in your right hand. And the reason why is because it actually once happened. Then in such a scenario, like the shoelace of the shoe ended up in the airspace of the earthenware container, rendering the kachim within it tame, and therefore the rabbis decreed, never again, no one's holding midrash in the right hand and earthenware containers with kachim in their left hands, um, because of this out, outlying one-off event, but it shows so it shouldn't happen again. Um, but that decree only applies to kachim, it doesn't apply to truma, and therefore... We have a distinction, the third of our Mishnah here, that it's okay for Truma, but not okay for Kachim. And the Mishnah says inside, Hanose es hamidras. If one is carrying something which is Tumas Medras, for example, the shoe of a Zav, or a Zava, neither your lettuce, or for that matter, it could be their pants as opposed to their shoe, and so on. Um, and Hanose means carrying its weight, because that conveys Tuma. So that in his right hand, let's say, so Nose es a Truma, in the left hand, he could carry Truma, again, in a Dafka, specifically an earthenware vessel, where its outside is impervious to Tuma, even if they bang together, nothing could happen. Avalo es a Kodesh, but he may not carry in his left hand, the other hand, a even more earthenware container that contains Kudshim, lest the portion of the shoe, like the shoelace, end up in the airspace of the earthenware container. Okay. The fourth one of the Mishnah is really an echo from the last Mishnah of the previous parak, two seven, where we said there were different levels of sanctity, those five levels, and we said if you're dealing with the higher level, you have to assume people who are dealing with lower levels that their clothing is all tummy, as if they were, as if they were uh, midras, there was zavin and so on. The base case, the famous case, is that if you're a chaver, you eat betahara, you have to assume the clothing of every amha aretz, everyone else who's not strict for tumantara, their clothing is is um, Midras, because it could be that, you know, they, she didn't realize she was a Nida or something, and the wife sat on it, etc., etc. So the mission here says that same sentiment here, Big Day Ochle Truma, the clothing that's worn by someone who's eating Truma, even someone pious like Yossi, Yosef, Ben Yoezer, like that Mishnah, who's super punctilious as a Kohen, and of course he was Tahor, nevertheless, Midras, the Kodesh, if you're planning eating Kachim, you have to assume that any clothing you touch by someone, even a Kohen who's strict like that, Eating truma, too bad. He has a suma midras and it's avatuma. So therefore, we have to act accordingly. And finally, the fifth and final case of this mishnah out of the eleven says lo kamidas hakodesh midas hatruma. The truth is that this, the way we treat kachim is not like the way we treat truma. 
these words there seem almost like um, superfluous. That's exactly the topic of our mission. It's a little funny to start in the fifth case to bring that in now. Um, but the point is this case is a little more involved. It's a case where you have a, let's say, a tablecloth. And let's say the tablecloth, let's for argument's sake say, it's a square tablecloth going on a round table. And so the way you like to do it is you like to take the corners and you like to kind of um, like loop them one or the other. Like a, I'll call it, I don't call it knot it, but like you, like the big, like a pretzel, a very loose looping, like like the beginning of a knot. So that it, you know, it drapes over how you like it for decorative purposes, let's say. So can you put the tablecloth with those loops intact where it's not like unlooped, it's still like pretzeled up? Can you put that in the mikvah? Or do we consider that the fact that the ends of the tablecloth have been like tied over the other, one or the other, that to be a chatzitza that intercedes between the cloth and the mikvah? So the rule is that if you have a real knot, like, you know, you have a, like a knot in your shoelaces or even a knot in your hair that is for sure considered a chatzitza, water can't get inside there. But if you have a, something very loose, like just a decorative, you know, like folding over of the tablecloth so it looks looks nice, of course water can get inside there. It's not only knotted, it's just sort of looped over like a, gently like a pretzel. So we're going to say, for Truman, that's fine, but for Kachim, no, you have to undo it. And more than that, if there's, you know, the tablecloth is dirty, you ate on it. So... If the dirt we're talking about, even if it's like um, in the nap of the tablecloth and it's wet, like, uh, you know, you spilled some wine or some water, whatever the story is. So that's not considered a chatzitza. You can have a tablecloth that's wet and put into a mikvah, no problem, and the tablecloth comes out tahor. Um, if, hypothetically, which had spilled on it was, you know, like um, cholent with like the grease of the cholent. So, of course, that's shamnunas, that grease, um, it can thicken and harden and actually become a bona fide chatzitza. Um so the mission is going to be concerned that if you're purifying things like a tablecloth for the sake of kadshim, so that not only do you have to undo the decorative knots, the loose knots, if you will, the loops, you also have to have to scrub it clean, like with a dry cloth, let's say, to make sure it's not there's no moisture there. You scrub off the excess moisture because we're concerned that what you think is perhaps an outside chance, water or wine is actually this you know, oil, animal fat, that will um, congeal and become a bona fide chatzitza later on. And therefore, um, you can't do that for kachim, whereas for truma, it's not a problem at all, as the Mishnah says inside. Shabakodesh, matir, if you're trying to purify the utensil, like the tablecloth, for use for kachim, you want it for your Pesach Seder. So first of all, matir, you have to undo even the decorative loose knots and loops. And then uminagev, you have to wipe it down with a towel, lest you have some like of this, you know, grease that could act hypothetically as a as a chatzitza, and then umatbil, then you immerse the untied and wiped down tablecloth in the mikvah to be metaharit, v'acharkach kosher, and then you can re-do um, the decorative, you know, loops on the edges of the tablecloth. Uva truma, but not the case at all when it comes to truma. If you're trying to just pure, put the tablecloth in the mikvah for use with truma, kosher, you could even first redo any loose decorative knots that had come undone, and then v'acharkach matbil, and put it like that into the mikvah. Since it's loose, we're not considering it to be a chatita, and it's permitted to be done like that for use with Truma.